Hello and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a weekly book club podcast where we talk about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. With me back again for, I can't remember how many times you've been on now, Rob. Ooh, half a dozen. Half a dozen times. Yeah, yeah. But back again is yeah. my wonderful friend and co-host, Rob. Rob, Hello. how are you, my friend? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, I think it's about half a dozen. The last one was Path of the Plane Breaker. Yes, of course. And that was a two-parter yes but then there were loads that i forgot we did the modrons the modrons alkadim treasure island or whatever it's called lost island tolus well the, the starter adventure yeah uh dark sun dark sun was one i remembered yeah 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 Blackmore was one. Blackmore, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back in the day. Because yeah. I think we spoke about possibly doing Red Steel and then we both looked at it and went, oh my God, so boring. <laughs> yeah, we both went like, maybe another time. We could do a quick review on that. If you want to read the most boring second edition <laughs> source book slash genre book of the whole TSR thing, read Red Steel. So boring. I like this, just like the most boring titles are like Red Steel. And you're like, mm, yeah. Okay. So, also the Wii game that came out in 2006 really confused Google. Um, <laughs> but no, very boring. The only good thing about it is the CD that you got in the box set so it's full of sounds that you can play at the table mm. which is great because normally I just do that with my stomach <laughs> you what you're like and you go into the fog rumble 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 oh, yeah. and the thought <laughs> yeah particularly noisy I'm not let's move on let's move on from here I like the fact there's always orcs in your games now just because of your stomach yeah, yeah that's all I can do orcs and kobolds well Rob what are we talking about today what is the topic of choice so we're talking about again as is tradition when I'm on it, not D&D. We're no. talking about another roleplay game, mm. this one called Trophy Gold, yeah. which is part of a, a sort of subset of games called, I think Trophy is the main name, yes. and there's Trophy Dark, Trophy Gold, Trophy Loom, which is a specific setting. Setting, yeah. Don't know if there's any other. I think it's just Dark and Gold at the moment. There's Dark and Gold um, on the main ones, and then there's lots of like variants. There's one I right. saw, which is Trophy Golf, which looked very <laughs> fun yes. uh, and very yes. silly. It's like Powered by the Apocalypse or Powered by Blades of the Dark, which is also Powered by the Apocalypse. But yeah, Trophy is the system, I think. It's very interesting because it's very not like an RPG. And they're quite mm. candid about this. It sort of starts, one of the first things it sort of says is, this isn't you know, your mama's D&D. <laughs> but in a way, it's, it's kind of a more, I would say, a more structured role-play game. Mm -hmm. It is way less free for me in its storytelling, but I'm going to caveat that, in that you go into very specific, uh, what's called incursions, mm. which are you know, effectively an adventure, but it's very this Mm -hmm. And then this, and then this. In a way, it's closer to an investigation game like yes. Call of Cthulhu or mm -hmm. uh, a gumshoe game where it's you need to solve this bit to get to the next bit. I'm not saying it's you will do this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. It's just it's not here is a dungeon kicking the door, off you go. Mm -hmm. It's a fantasy game that's more like there's rumors of a dungeon around here. Mm -hmm. Go to the town to find it. Maybe you hear a story. Maybe you hear more. It's very much more a structured tale than an mm. RPG, I would say, that you play through. To me, it, it almost felt like you'd play through a short story yeah. rather than your own freeform thing, which I'm sort of saying it like it puts limits on. It doesn't. Not at all. But there is definitely a different feel to it than a freeform, chaotic, here's a situation, off you mm. go, have fun kind of yeah. thing. It's way more like you will do these things and they will produce a quite a cool story, but how you do them is up to you. And that's yeah. the important thing. So it's interesting you say it's uh, like almost like Cthulhu-esque in terms of investigation. Yeah, so it is adapted from Cthulhu Dark, but it's also based on Blades in the Dark as well, which are yes. kind of investigative games anyway, but have that mm -hmm. sort of dark undertone as well. What stands out to me, like why it feels different is because it feels very much like a video game in a sense of like there is an end goal in a sense that you need to get gold if you get 50 gold that's it you're done yes, you know you, yeah. you've made it out but things cost money so it almost becomes yeah, like yeah. you know one of those uh those time wasting games like the Ina dash or candy crush where you like mechanize or, or automatize workers etc and you get this mm -hmm. money you could buy another building mm -hmm. etc that's what it kind of feels like you go off on these yeah. adventures to sh seek treasure and then you go back you pay your bills you pay your expenses mm -hmm. for going on this mission and if you succeed, then you go, great, you could buy more stuff to go on more missions or you could bank it. Yeah. I like that. It feels very much like a, a choice because here's the main thing I love about this game. Mm -hmm. You have no stats. You mm -hmm. don't put any pluses to anything. So it calls itself like a push your luck RPG yeah. that you're one roll away from just dying. And I'm like, 
Fuck. Yeah. That's such a risk because you think, oh, well, I'll, I just need another mission. What could possibly go wrong? I'm so close to my goal. And then. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. reminds me of a JRPG from the Nintendo DS game days called A Try and Odyssey, which I think is back and remastered on Switch. Same sort of situation where you have your party and your stuff and then you go out into a dungeon, then you come back and you pay bills and maybe hire another one person with a stick. Then you all go out again. And then just one time, boom, you're dead. You turn a corner and you're dead. And I think that, in a way, it's almost, and this sounds ridiculous to my ears, but it's the video game equivalent of an old fighting fantasy game book. Yeah. Where you stock up, you do your things, you've got your ideas, are you dead? Try again. But maybe you'll do a different story. Rather than a fighting fantasy where you do the same story and over and over again, this time it's, that didn't work, let's go somewhere else. And yeah. it's that feeling of, you've got to be aware. It's the opposite of 5e. Yeah. You're going to die. Someone with a stick is going to kill you. And yeah. it's not as pathetic as something like a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, I would no. say. It is mm. still a, a particularly trophy gold. Trophy dark is a bit more grim dark, very old world Warhammer kind of thing. Mm. Trophy gold is kind of Lord of the Ringsy. It's just mm. you might be Boromir and get hit by an arrow. <laughs> you know, you might not be Aragorn, you might be Boromir kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. that kind of with a bit more money involved. But no, it's a really fun read. It's a good read. It's a good mm. book to get through. So do you want to run us through how you play or how you create a character? That's the start. Yeah, well, the character, I mean, I'm always a big fan of having a character creation on one bloody page. And a lot of it, one thing we've been talking about, and I keep mentioning every time since you've talked to me about it, yeah. random tables and rolling random stuff, for randomly generating stuff and making that character. So right mm-hmm. at the beginning and during the sort of character creation, you can roll 2d6 and then match them up to and pick those entries out, essentially. And it's quite, uh, the words for it are quite vague. Uh, and so it's up to you as yes. a player to interpret it. Yes. So, for example, uh, well, I'll ask, do you have any dice on you? And we could do some rolling. Yes. I know. You're like me as well. So I'm always within six feet away from a pack of dice. Pack of dice. Pack of dice. There you go. I knew you had some somewhere. All right. I need two D6. It doesn't matter about the colours. Yeah, this this will be dark. This will be light. Fantastic. So we're making it. my character. Let's go for uh, the first bit. So Yes, yeah, so we'll grab your name. Six and six. Six, oh, wow. Six and six. I know, right? Best role you could possibly do. Vero is your name. Vero, I like it. Here's the thing. So you could use that whole row or you can roll uh, another two times. Roll on every yep. roll. You've got to come on. I'm an old school so, d d So Vero used to be, this is, no, this is his current occupation, right? This is your role in the team doing the treasure hunting. Yes. Yes. 13, one and three. One and three is astrologer. Okay, so next to astrologer, there's three little words. What are they, Fiona? I will tell you. So these are your skills, my friend, are darkness, stars, and symbols. I know. How exciting (laughs) are those? Let's roll again for me, please. We'll get your background. So this is what you used to be. Oh, a six and a three. An uninspired artisan. <laughs> All right, well, you get a crafting skill as well. Brilliant. So what is great is that, again, there's no pluses to these or anything like that. It just so happens that if you're able on a, one of the five roles you can do in this game, if you're like, oh, well, actually my skill in stars comes in useful here, you can add an extra D6 to your role, essentially. Mm-hmm. And usually it's only ever one D6. Mm-hmm. It's quite cruel, this game, in the sense of like you don't have big dice pools of stuff that nope. you'll succeed. Unless you're going against each other. Oh, we'll get to that. Which Absolutely. we'll get to, yes. Let's go for your driver. So why are you motivated right. to go get treasure? So roll for me again those 2d6. Wow. Try and roll on the table. Uh, mm. Two and five. Oh, to buy your brother's freedom from Basel Prison. Uh, Fiona, what's Basel Prison, please? I don't know. And this is the thing. A lot of this game, it does say like, hey, you can check out more about this in Trophy Loom. But actually, it's up to you as a player to come up with that stuff. There's stuff like Beast Bitten and mm-hmm. uh, various places mentioned. But this is just like, here's the thing. Go with it. And I really like that. It just tells you straight up in that simple paragraph. It goes, you decide. Uh, I don't know. And I think that's fantastic. I think that is the quickest way to get players involved in a world. Mm. And the GM get involved in the world because immediately, right, Basel Prison, that's going to be the end game, maybe. Yeah. You know, that's an incursion in itself. There's a brother, there's a yeah. prison. Yeah, so these things I can pull on as a GM. Absolutely. Yeah. Finally, uh, let's look at rituals. So uh, these mm-hmm. are like your magic spells. So every character in Trophy can do magic in some respect. So do for me again. Uh, we'll do mm-hmm. one at a time. So yeah, another yeah. 2d6, please. I have the ritual of 52. So 52 is Dryad which is quite cool. Yeah. We can go into the full effects in a second, but roll for me the other two for me, please. Oh, right, I've started with this amount of ruin. Oh, my God. Well, you might as well. 54. Um, oh, emote. Emote. Oh, great. Love that. 
And 33, Channel. Channel. Nice. So what was that first one? Dryad was your first Dryad. one. Dryad. Dryad. Stay still to transform into a tree and communicate with other trees. Okay. Could be useful. Could be very useful. Uh, then it was emote. Uh, emote. Heighten or dampen the current emotions of all in your presence. That's quite a good idea. Could, That's a could be bit... good in a, to stop a fight. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And then the last one was channel. Channel is allow a spirit to act through you. I'm going to be honest, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> sounds dangerous, but also could be very useful. You never know. So this is the thing. These are like prompts and stuff. Like, so it's mm -hmm. up to you and the GM to discuss what kind of magic you can do. And this could be something that's out of combat. It could be something in mm -hmm. combat. I really love that. But of course, as you sort of rightly pointed out, having rituals and having lots of equipment add to your burdens mm -hmm. and add to, add to your ruin as well. Mm -hmm. And basically, the more ruin you have, the more likely you're going to lose yourself to the forest, the Whoa. darkness, the yes. world, the corruption, etc., which is yeah. Great. As soon as you get six ruin, that's it. You are out as well. So pretty brutal. But that's it. That's all we need to do to make characters. Yep. It's five steps. So yep. easy. So quick. It's fantastic. And I've got an astrologer who can turn himself into a tree. Classic. That's really fantastic. And I mean that in the truest sense. That's great. <laughs> that's really cool. Like that's that's a great character. That's not a character class. I had to fudge or anything. That's just yeah. a cool little, like that's it. Done. Yeah. I like it. It's very similar. I think as I shared with you recently, Orbital Blues, and they have very similar mm. things of like tables that are just like just really good tables of stuff to be prompted. Yeah. Again, really why we're kind of looking at trophy gold in general is that not only is like the incursion stuff, which is what the meat of this episode is going to be about, but I actually just quite like Easy, straightforward systems are like, don't worry about anything. Don't yeah. prep. Just go for it. Because again, it feels mm -hmm. that very much like you're going to die. Don't worry about it. You're going, you're ready. Someone didn't have to sit for half an hour working this out and stuff. I mean, really, it, it does hark back to sort of old school D&D where your character was you roll three numbers, down, six numbers down the line kind of thing. And, and that was it. Off you go. Will you survive? Will you won't? This has got a bit more structure to it. Tiny but I just love that you have... Oh, in it, as we said, with the whole prison thing, mm. that's just one example. But there's just so much that immediately are like, well, how do astrologers? Why do you need them to go on a hunt? Why are they? Why are they important? Why can they turn themselves into trees? You know, immediately, <laughs> you, is, is this just? Is this just me? You mm. know, or is that is astrology the domain of wood folk or the trees in this? You know, yeah. is, is astrology? Do people read the signs through the trees? You know, mm. and you've got all this stuff now that you immediately can just start playing with through five dice rolls. Yeah, it's nice to create a world from your character rather than the other way around. 100%. 100, I'm a big, big, big believer in that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a really big one. Yeah, player first rather than world first. The other thing to note, and I think this is a bit of a Blades in the Dark thing as well, is the uh, the backpack. You get three predetermined items, mm -hmm. and then you have three empty slots. Mm -hmm. But you you do have something in them, so you just put your hand in halfway through the event, you go, I must have something here, and then you roll, and you'll be like, oh shit, it was a spoon I brought after all, yes. or whatever. Huge fan of that. It taps into that. I think we're both very big Doctor Who fans, and it very much plays into that kind of, I've got the gadget right here kind of yeah. thing, which is great. It's fun. I like the backpack thing. Mm. And I would definitely use the Troika thing of how your, yes. how your backpack is stacked is how hard it is to get stuff out because that is good fun when just someone trying to dig to the bottom of the backpack when someone's trying to eat you. <laughs> Quick, where is it? Where Where's is that it? spoon? I need that spoon. <laughs> I'll essentially just go over the, what the main mechanic is. Yes. We won't dwell on it too long, because obviously I know this is sure. supposed to be a D&D &D podcast. But yeah, 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 absolutely. There are five roles that you would use for it. The biggest one is going to be the hunt role, and every other role sort of comes out of this mm -hmm. one. So the hunt role is basically you're exploring the world. You're basically, it's you know, your perception, you're exploring what do I see, what do I do, etc. Can I do this? That isn't related to fighting. Mm -hmm. It isn't related to hurting other people per se. And we talked about it before, it's mostly D6s. You need to have a way of distinguishing them between light and dark, whether that's mm -hmm. different colours, different sizes, whatever, as long as they're D6s. Mm -hmm. Basically, you always take a light die just for rolling, just for like exploring the world, etc. And you take an, usually another light die just to, if you have a skill or a piece of equipment or just something that will help you that from your background. But you only ever get one. You don't stack because yeah. you're an astrologer who can turn into trees or anything like that. So you've got four levels of success. If you roll a six, you gain something called a hunt token. Basically, it's another way to be like, oh, I've collected a couple of these. I can change them in for gold. I can change them to say I've set a goal, etc. Four to five, you gain a hunt token, but you also encounter something terrible. Mm. Two to three, you encounter something terrible. <laughs> One, you lose all your hunt tokens. 
mm-hmm. and encounters something terrible. Terrible, yeah. <laughs> and the lower you roll, the worse it is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. And yeah. unless you get a six on most of your rolls, mm. something terrible is going to happen. And I quite, I like that. Is that there's no hope of like, oh, well, I got a fifteen. What does that mean? Is like, yeah, something yeah. terrible happens. <laughs> something terrible happens. Yeah. Did you try a thing? Something terrible happens, and you have to try things. That's the thing. Yeah. It, so the hunt tokens are there to get gold, as you say, which yeah. is the absolute goal of this game, but also to move the adventure along. The more yes. hunt tokens you get, as you said, you trade them in for goals. So you can't just stand not doing anything, no. but doing something comes with a risk, which yes. is which is fantastic. Yeah, as they say, it's a push-your-luck game. Yeah, and it, it's done very well. One thing I will mention, I won't go into all the roles in big detail, but in there's something called the Devil's Bargain, which I absolutely love. These are like, we've talked about it before, like incursions, which I think is a cipher system mechanic. Yes. Uh, yeah. That idea of like, well, you can get another light dice for your risk roll only if you take on a consequence that will happen regardless. And I love those sort of things. Like you succeed, but at a cost and actually making it matter. So they give examples of like, you know, collateral damage, getting lost or separated from your companions, which is probably not great. No. Betraying a fellow treasure hunter, attracting unwanted attention, you know, stuff like that, which are very, very simple stuff. But I think you could really get into be like, I don't know, you have to give up a secret of your character or something like that and really go into that backstory a little bit. Because again, these characters are, as it says, they are painfully thin, yeah. most likely because they're yeah. not going to survive. Yeah, or if they, yeah. And I know we probably won't cover it, but there is something called Half Fire. Yes, it is. Half Fire, yes. An additional campaign thing about like, here's what's expanding out when you get back to town and how you clear conditions and stuff. I really like that. I quite like that organisation. It feels very, again, Blades in the Dark, like we go back to our lair. What do we do in our downtime? Yes, stuff yeah, like that? bit of downtime, bit of working out kind of thing. And yeah, then that's the way you reveal more and more about you and the party and what mm-hmm. that prison is. Who is your brother? What is that prison? That's where mm-hmm. it all comes from. You don't need to know that on the first adventure. No. You can know that later. And actually that speaks very much to how I run games. I don't like someone who comes to me with a book of backstory as a GM mm-hmm. because I'm just like, that's cool. I'm not going to read that. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm sure sorry. it's great. I'm sure you spent a lot of time, but I'm not going to. I've already read this book that you haven't read. So I've done my <laughs> reading. If it's important, it will come out in the game. If it's yeah. not important, we'll never touch on it. So yeah. don't need it. Set your expectations, I guess. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know if that's popular. But... Like I recently, for Orbital Blues, uh, the wonderful Ed mm. Spence, who um, was my GM, he, he's really, really good, but he gave me a huge document of like, answer these questionnaires. And I, you know, I, I basically filled it in with the barest yeah. detail. And I was like, I honestly, I'll find out when I get there. And, and it was helpful yeah. for him because then he could build a, he built a fantastic story. And I, I don't yeah. want to take that away, but I was like, when I saw it, I was like, 12 questions? I don't have time. Yeah, I, I always skip that <laughs> bit in game. There's always that uh, cubicle seven often have a, here's answer 12 uh, questions about your character. And I always skip that. If it's important, it'll come up. I will say the mechanics are not, e- they're a bit dense at first. Mm. One thing I do love about this book is that every couple of pages they have like, this is what the risk roll does and then has a flow chart yeah. about how you work it through. I would have those as references to put mm. out in front of players yeah. so they can see and work it out because it's it's a really lovely thing, but they don't have it as an additional yeah. like thing to print out. It's very simple as a system, but there's a lot of if you do this, you can add this die. And if you add this die, you can yes. take this die away and look at the top die that you're rolled in this die, which I think when you, as soon as you start playing it, falls yes. into place easy. Reading it is a bit like, so I do, well, so it's a risk roll, so I add a die, but it's not a risk roll, so I don't put my body on the line. So yeah. it's four or five pages. Like it's yeah. easier to read it and then maybe even play a little adventure yourself, just give yourself an idea. One thing I, I've discovered about doing certain streams now about reading through these mm. books, because uh, I tend not to read the, uh, when it goes, here's an actual written example. I go, oh, I don't want to, you know, GM says, okay, you open the door. I don't, I, I hate scripts like that. I am not I a big fan of it. But this could have benefited of like, uh, Susie is, is facing the crow thing. Um, yeah. Like the combat stuff is really interesting. Like the idea that everyone rolls their light mm. die and that is their weak point. Mm. And so when they all roll their dark die and obviously if they have lots of dark dice, if any of them match your weak point, you take a ruin. Oh, I love that. You That's your, that's your, that's your armor. Coast. That's, you know, yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, I really love that. The combat reminded me of Tunnels and Trolls actually, where actually mm. you sort of all pile in together you don't do, I do this, then I do this, and I do that. You put together your plan. You say, yes. I'm the archer, so I'm going to launch arrows from far. I'm the fighter, so I'll run up and hack. I'm the astrologer, I'll turn into a tree. Um, and then you roll a collective pool and see what happens. And mm. uh, do you know what? That's great, because while combat is integral to RPGs, it doesn't have to be the be-all and end-all. And actually, just saying what you're doing and then rolling a collective dice, great. Oh, I love it. It works or it doesn't work. Yeah, it's fantastic. 
I looked at Agon, which is like the yes. ancient Griff one, um, mm-hmm. and that has a similar thing about the, like you all roll and then you go in order of lowest to highest, mm-hmm. and so whoever finishes the combat on the high, they get the killing blow, and it's all yeah. narrative, and I and it's all in one. That's, and I was like, that's great. We're like just getting it done in one and having that uh, that narrative, and then you're not wasting time going, oh god, we're still haven't got it because that's the thing. Because basically, the way we get it down is that if you, two yeah. of the dark die match the monster's endurance, match yeah. equal to or above, then the creature is defeated, and if not, we go again. And the endurance is between two to twelve or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because at twelve, it says go, run away. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> if it's above twelve. Well, run away yeah yeah exactly and yeah and then you just have like the help role which is just like oh i help uh in some yeah. way uh and can then lead into conditions as well which are again yeah. more descriptive but then it could be like oh you are say petrified by the medusa's gaze well that's yeah. going to be a risk role to make sure you can do your action and if not you're going to get worse yeah the final the final sort of stuff is that sort of uh, opposed role mm-hmm. against that's it the contest role sorry that when it's typically treasure hunters will act against each other you take a dark die if the contest itself is inherently dangerous or deadly and then it goes take as many dark dice as you're willing to risk yeah i love that what a test what a the gambler in me is like oh you get to throw as many as you want but any ones and you get a bit of ruin and you can only you've only got six hit points this is the thing to remember you only have six ruin you start with what so you've got five hit points Mm -hmm. every ritual you take is another one. So my starting character with three rituals, I've already got four ruin. Oh. I've got two hit points left. You know, like I'm going to go down quite quickly, but I really want that treasure. Mm-hmm. And Fiona's character is also going for that treasure. And unfortunately, it's going to involve one of us maybe getting a dagger in the back. Maybe we just need to leap a little canyon, but there's danger involved. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's really fun because actually I might choose to risk four dice and roll all sixes and then, well, hey, I've won. Yeah. But also I might not. And it encourages that, which I think is just really good. Fuck around and find out. That's how I think this is the RPG, the fuck around and find out RPG. And interestingly on this, the more ruin you have, the more dice you get in your initial roll. Mm -hmm. So actually Mm -hmm. the more desperate and dangerous you are, the better you are at contesting with other treasure hunters. so narratively juicy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, straight right there. They have rules for stuff like hirelings, which is also interesting because if they die, you take on their burdens. Yes, you owe money. And that feels such a HR thing. It's like, well, Derek died. I guess we better tell his widow and 15 children. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing a collection plus one burden, everyone. But then my favourite thing, which I told you off recording, mm. is the bestiary. Oh, yeah. And encouraging the players to make a note of all the creatures they come across. But you, the GM, it directly says to you, do not tell them the creature's name. There is names in the bestiary. So they've got to come up with this. And I'm like, that is great. Because this bestiary probably will outlast the players. And I'm like, oh, this yeah. is a story about how this tome is written rather than it, but then the individuals. I'm like, Grr. I've always loved that because the moment you say you encounter two orcs, all right, well, they've got hit points 8 to 15. Yeah. And they fight like this. And, it, you know, even the best way, even if you then map a different monster over it, but to just not tell them and be like, well, what do you call them? What, what are they called? Because it's very, what are the chances that every fantasy world calls those green things orcs? You know, mm-hmm. no, some people are going to call them pigmen. Some people are going to call them whatever, you know, and then it's cool. And that's great. Or oh, pig women. Pig folk. <laughs> pig folk, yeah. And that's, you know, that, that again, that's just building your, your world straight away. Yeah. And so that's, that is the, the game in a complete nutshell. There's some nice, I will yeah. say, what I do like is that it's very nicely written, the uh, GM sort of advice about like setting expectations. Yeah. There's a nice bit, obviously, about like here are your principles. You know, as you said, like be a fan of the players. Yeah. You know, treat them as storytellers, etc. But ask pointed questions and build on the answers. Mm. Never let a good idea go to waste, which I quite like. The example for that was like if a player shares a story about an emerald stag that hunts those who trespass in the woods later. Yeah. When everyone's forgot about it, bring the stag back and gorge that particular treasure hunter. And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> I, I will. will. Yes, I will do that. <laughs> I've written that down now. But uh, the one thing I think we were mostly excited to talk about is this idea of incursion. So as you sort of rightly said at the top, an incursion is basically this game's example of a scenario, of a setting that you could just do a couple of missions in. And this book's got about 11 of them. There's a big incursion at the end, which is basically just the Undermountain-esque type (laughs) dungeon. What I like about it, they're all by different writers because this was a kickstarted RPG is the structure of them. And this is something like, I'm sure, I think you were saying that you do something similar. But for me, because I've been reading a lot of D&D modules and they're all Mm -hmm. written a bit fluffy. Sometimes it's very hard as me as a GM to go, where is it? Where is that bit that has the information about the treasure, about the traps, etc. And it takes me ages. And I, even though it's like 10 seconds in game time, and obviously the players aren't 
bloody noticing, but I'm just going, everything has stopped still because I can't find what the DC is on something. Yeah. And these incursions, just the way it's structured, mm. solves all that issues. So I'll also caveat, we've both only read the first one because this is a game I actually hope to play, so once I don't want to read ahead. Absolutely. And the first one is called Hester's Mill. Spoilers for Hester's Mill. It's the Dunwich Horror. Um, yes. Spoilers, it's Dunwich Horror, but indeed. Yeah. And it even starts with a bit of history that you can tell your players. Mm-hmm. And then there's the actual history. But it's not page upon page upon page upon page. We had that in Blackmore, and oh my God, that's went on forever. Mm-hmm. One paragraph for them, three paragraphs for you. Gives you a theme word, and all of them have this. In this mm. case, the theme is Harvest. So if you ever are just like, oh, God, they've walked into a field. I need to describe this field. Okay, well, the theme is harvest. So it's overgrowing with corn and there's gourds and pumpkins rolling in the fields. Some have obviously been left behind and they're rotting and the smell gets into your nose. That's it. Straight away. Done. You've done a thing there. Or there's pitchforks abandoned next to a load of hay. You know, you can immediately do that. I think that's really important because also tied into that, each of these incursions has what are called little sets, mm-hmm. which are the mini scenes. I didn't like the word set. That actually threw me a little bit. I thought set was the overall thing. Oh, maybe it is. See, I'm, I I got a bit confused about this. Basically, for each of these incursions, they have like a flow chart of what you said, scenes. I see them as yeah. scenes and each scene has then mm-hmm. like the props in it. But I think the overall thing, it's called set. I don't like that. I, I agree with yeah. you. I think scenes sounds better to me as well. Yes. And each of them has their own, what they've called moments. And this is something that I've always done because yeah. um, i'm a, a hipster uh, but this one gives you just something to throw in at yes. some point so in this case on the first one the characters are approaching this uh, old farm hamlet and it just says here are three moments the sun is hanging high in the sky golden and hot brilliant mm-hmm. wild patch of fat brown pumpkins gold orange green and purple and a gust of wind causes a pile of dead leaves to cyclone around the treasure hunters these moments do that mm-hmm. for every game you play That's straight up. So what I do when I'm running Cyberpunk, I will roll usually on tables, but I will think of five or six of these, just Mm -hmm. a blimp goes down in the distance or an advertising slogan I can shout at someone or (laughs) someone running out of a shop because they just held it up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just have these things that don't matter, but they matter because the moment you add these in, you're more, Mm -hmm. you're there. And this line writes them out. If you run an adventure, just do that from now on. I'm telling yep. you, I'm telling you that now. Do it. It's great. It's a quick mm-hmm. fix for the GM to quickly make the world bigger without having to do much with writing a line. Yeah, with the moments above it, it obviously says goal and where they're going. It says, oh, well, they need to get to the place. And so these are moments related to how they get there. It always says that, by the way, this is the goal of this scene. Yep. And I think just making it absolutely straightforward because the players won't know. No. A lot of the times I find in D&D, certainly with uh, more open-ended games, mm-hmm. I'm running Curse of Strahd and we're all really enjoying it. But I just say to them, hey, you know, this is a sandbox game. I'm giving you lots of stuff to play with and there's no problem with that. But you need to make the choice about where to go. Yeah. And it's the same thing here. I think it's nice that I know the goal is to get to X mm. and I can then express that quickly. Yeah. Whereas I think sometimes in D&D modules, sometimes you're like, what were we doing? Yeah, they get tied yeah. up in their own little role plays and stuff like that, which is fantastic. But you're like, shit, but what were we doing? doing? Yeah. But at least here you can be like, okay, so the three markers that you have are this, this and this. And then here yeah. are the moments tied to this when you choose to follow them. Yeah. This is the goal of the scene for Fiona to tell the players or you know railroad them to get to Torben's end, you know. It's free hunt tokens, cash them in, you get to the goal, effectively. You have to explain how, but that's how you do it. There's free moments. You could do an almost reward system. Every time they get a hunt token, do one of these moments, as yeah. in then you're on the right line. Yeah, keep yeah. going kind of thing. It does actually say you can, if you want, just say what the goal is to them. Yeah. If, you, if you've got that type of player, you can just say, okay, and in this first scene or area or set, you're looking to find the road to Hester's Mill. Yeah, perfect. There's some terminology in this game I don't like. They call them props. I don't like that. I don't know what I would call them else. I thought scene dressing or something, or scene elements. I don't know. I need to yeah. have a think because I, I don't like, and this is purely me, little rant here, other media terminology in roleplay games. There was one years ago that was like telling you how to be a director of a scene and, you know, tell the players that the camera pans down. It's like, no, I'm not watching right. a film. If I was watching a film, I was watching a film. I'm not in a play. I understand. I'm playing an RPG. So I don't know what I'd call these. But it gives you props. So in this case, there's some ruins, there's a statue. And from these, the the players can investigate them, have a look around, and they get a bit of the background, work out what's going on. Mm. It's very close to a gumshoe game. Mm. It's an investigation game. 
where you always get the clues. Mm. It's up to you to stick the clues together. But it's yes. not a case of, oh, you need to find this out. Why don't you uh, make a, you know, you go to the ancient library and look through the text. You roll me library use. I got a 97. Roll it me again. I got a 67. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, you, yeah. you know, you're just like, well, what was the point in the role? You know? Keep smacking your head against yeah. the, the thing until you actually succeed, yeah. And I think this does that really nicely and yeah. also throws in what you mentioned before, your favourite thing, you encounter something terrible, this tells you what those things are. Either monsters, traps, etc. But it's all there. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's one page. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Torrin's Bend, which is the first set of this incursion, mm-hmm. and it gives you what props, traps, treasures that they can go and have a look at, mm-hmm. additional traps, additional treasures. Mm-hmm. The maybe there's a monster, maybe there's not, and how it acts, kind of thing. It's all here, and this is a great structure. This is fantastic. It's a table essentially. So you have the columns of mm-hmm. of props, traps, and treasures, and like you said, that first one. So that first prop in the row. So you got the statue of Lord. Galdron, I'm going to say. Uh, And then next to it, traps. There's no traps in it. But then next to that is treasures. And it's like, what treasure is related to that particular prop? And then you go down one, which is the ruins of River Rock Keep. And then next to that in the traps column, it's like, there are ghouls in the ruins. And then it goes, and then there's a signet ring in the treasures one. That's where you can find in the rubble. I could just read that so quickly. And maybe it's just because maybe I do a lot of data admin uh, entry and maybe I'm just used to doing that. But I was like, oh, that's described to me two different areas areas for them to investigate that yeah. I can easily improv and take up a simple paragraph that doesn't require how big is the town? How yeah, am I 30 was... feet away from the statue? Yeah. You know, all that sort of thing. This wall is 10 foot by 4 foot and then this yeah. wall has collapsed. It doesn't matter. It's a ruin. Everyone, The moment you say a ruin, everyone's got a picture in their head anyway. You know, it's so it's great. There are stat blocks in the quotation marks for the yes. creatures that you can come across. So like you said, this is all on one page, this set, which is fantastic. Yeah. So the ghoul stats, you can just roll a d6 and that's what it it kind of does as a flavoursome thing. So, you know, if you rolled a four, it cracks a bone between its teeth. Yeah. Or five, makes clicking vocalisations to other ghouls. Yes, this is what I love. Yeah, this, Alien this, does this very well. Alien RPG. Yeah. Well, let's see what the alien does. Roll a d6 for me. You roll yeah. a six. Yeah. Oh, dear. That's head bite. Yeah. And they go, no. I was like, you rolled it. I didn't. It's also like Troika, though. They have a mean table where, okay, you encounter a mm. ghoul, but... I've rolled a one, and actually this ghoul is slavering over a piece of rotten flesh. Mm. Okay, this gives the players a chance now. They could back away, they could jump it. Whereas if I rolled a six, they encounter a ghoul, and not only have they encountered it, it's reared back, ready to lunge. So you're going to go straight into combat. Mm. That's the same thing. You've run into that ghoul, but mm. in one case it's on its own, it's you know, doing a golem and sort of loping around, and then on the other, <laughs> it's doing a smeagol. No, the other way around. Yes, um, and it's gonna get you. Um <laughs> yeah, sorry, hashtag justice for Sauron. Um and, <laughs> and but it gives, and that's it, really. You know, you've mm. got to, it's got that. It has a weakness, which yeah. the players can learn, and mm. you can actually, if you play a full game of it, you can go back into town and be like, guys. What's with these things in the hills and like an adventurer for a burden will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, these guys, holy symbols, they're the best thing you can do. So next time you encounter it, you know that and you knock a couple of points off its endurance, nice. which is one combat style, which I'd love because you could go here to this little town and be like, oh, my God, it's full of these weird little golem guys. Run back to the village and be like, guys, what's going on? You know, and immediately having a weakness just gives them a bit more verisimilitude. It reminds me a lot of like, I finished recently uh, Resident Evil 4 for the first time. I actually got to the end of it. And it feels like that when you, when you, you never played it. I haven't played a single Resident Evil game. But obviously as you go through and obviously like you're playing like Leon and like, I got to save the president's daughter. And you're like, yeah, yeah, Leon. Okay. But obviously every time you come across a new thing, he's like, oh, come on. (laughs) And I like the fact that, you know, like maybe you go back and you go talk to the merchant and you're like, so what are the things that explode and they just like whiz around like this? They go, yeah. oh, use a flash grenade. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, off I go. <laughs> I will now make several of them, you know, and yeah. I just, I like that idea. That's the conversation you have almost yeah. as an evil star. You're like, this is dreadful. You're like, yes, if you pay us gold, we'll give you exactly what you yeah. need now. What are you buying? Um, but, but there is that feel to it that you are preparing an expedition. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a oh, lads, let's go to the hills, and off we go. It's a, no, you you stock up on your equipment, and that costs you burden. You hire your people, that's more burden. You ask for information about the area, that's a burden. But the more you invest, 
the more treasure you f- you're going to find, and you can hopefully, back with it. hopefully, yeah. <laughs> if you wanted, you could just leave the town with you and your two mates with a sword between you. You're not going to get back, but <laughs> if you find one gold, that's yours. That's free. That's safe. yeah, yeah. So it does give you that that idea of starting an expedition. I can imagine you could play, say you do one incursion, the next Mm. one is going to be like the beginning of The Hobbit where they're all planning what to do kind of thing. And you can Mm. very much lean into that. Yeah. Because you actually don't know what's going to happen. You don't Mm. have all that. And then we do this and then we do this. But the let's stock up on supplies and stuff without it getting too... Oh, I've got seven silver. How many platinums in a silver? Oh, I don't Um, don't don't know. know. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't matter. It's just, yeah. So the other thing to mention is that you can encourage the players, again, like similar with the beastery where they're like, oh, you name the creatures. Similar, you can encourage them to name a map. So obviously like here, we're talking about a Hester's Mill and mm-hmm. Torben's Bend. So you can say, here's a piece of paper, circle it uh, and do Torben's Bend. And then uh, you can go on to Hester's Mill, etc. Yeah. But then obviously if you're running away from something, you have to roll, like I think it's, it is a risk roll to yes. see if you get back to a place you know. Otherwise you go off the map yeah. and then you end up in a new place that's not connected to the no. map. It's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, because there is no set map. There's just point to point to point of these are the six sets. And then we'll go from this set to this set to this set, maybe to this set, maybe to this set. But mm. it's not, and this is four days journey and they have to go this way. It's just, no, that, that it, it's really, I'm very tempted just to lift some of these wholesale and put them into games. I do like the system, but I also would like to lift some of these and put them into different games. You, This first set is a, would be a brilliant Call of Cthulhu adventure. A hundred percent. It is. Like, it's lifting. It's got- Oh, it's got all the horrible stuff. You've got yeah. cultists. You've got people mm-hmm. giving in to a demon. You've got a horrible birth imagery of crow things for both male and female people. Yeah, the birth dreaming condition where you dream and it's just Brilliant. like which is so Lovecraft. Oh, so good. You could lift this and put it into Cthulhu Dark or call Cthulhu the Scary Scarecrow, an invisible demon that's on top of the house which will yeah. attack you. And there's a great little paragraph that goes, but what if the players don't ever find this creature because obviously it's invisible and it can't move. And you're like, you will make it. You will make yeah. them find it in some way. And I'm yeah. like, oh, and it will come back as well. Yeah. yeah, it's really decent. Way I would, I would highly encourage you. It's only a couple of quid, I think, on a on yeah. drive through. If you want to take not all the prep out of an adventure, but if you want to realize how little prep you actually need, yeah, go and download this. Read a couple of them and go. Okay, take a famous adventure. Take the minds of mm. Delva and make it into an incursion and see how much fat there is that you don't need that stresses mm. you out because i don't want to read this paragraph about how big this room is you know it doesn't you know it doesn't matter you know <laughs> i think this works so well when when a lot of people aren't doing and i know like we've got the dnd vtt coming out uh, and obviously maps are, are always been a big thing here you don't need maps at all but i like how it just takes that stuff away from it yeah. and then obviously if you're going into that combat stuff it, it is simplified down so much i yeah. just yeah everything about it i'm just like this it's makes it so much easier also i mm. love that the weakness of crow things mm-hmm. distracted by rotten or partially masticated meat so if you just oh. chew some meat and spit it out the crow will go for that rather than you it's so gross isn't it horrible it's really horrible but... so gross i love it this is the bright version. Trophy yes. Dark is the grim version. Yeah, you so warned God me off that. And I was like, like okay. <laughs> God knows what that's like. I'm after download and read that. I haven't read any of uh, Trophy Dark yet. You know, mm. I, from what I understand, it is like a forest that tries to kill you. And I'm like, yeah. Simbarum was also similar to that, where which, but that's more fantasy and like uh, people getting misplaced, uh, you know, refugee cities. And then yeah. we'll go into the forest. That's where the safest place will be. And the forest is like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, this is my fucking tree. And then yeah. just corruption and also like it's that summer and sounds really really cool but it is yeah. definitely like very corrupted jr talking whereas this could be any kind of fantasy i feel like so it kind of puts me in the mood of the joe abercrombie books the stuff like the the first law trilogy uh so the mm. blade itself and stuff where it's fantasy and it's nasty mm. but it's not and then you die for no reason it's you die because you fucked around yeah. but it's it, it is nasty without being ridiculous whereas i think yeah. joe dark i've not read it fully yet i think that's more like Ha ha ha, you're dead now. Yeah, nice try. But this is just a, an absolute treasure, a trove of stuff to lift, really. It really mm. is. Like, to, to keep on the theme of a book club, mm. GM should pick up this. I think so. There's so much to lift from it that you can easily put into D&D. 
ultimately coming to coming to this at the end and reflecting on it. Yeah, I think the rules I, you need to have a read of them just to understand what the incursion is. But as you said, like just take the elements of incursion, use the way it structures it to restructure your modules and stuff like that, just for easy referencing. I sometimes sit in a session going, I have no idea where they are or what they're doing, and then just having these as simple like index cards to be like, this is the scene. Right, I remember. And then having outcomes of what happens if they don't, you know, have just like one or two, say, good outcome, middling outcome, very bad outcome. Mm -hmm. Oh, they burnt down the whole coffin shop again. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what? Now you've said it, we both work in administration. Mm -hmm. I think these are written out for administrators. They really are. Because this is how you plan a meeting. It's what's the goal of the meeting? But it's an agenda. It's effectively... Mm -hmm. Here is a scene and here is the agenda. This is what we want to end up doing. Here are a couple of things to raise. Here's how we're going to get to it. And meetings can be bad. Meetings can be very bad. So a GM who can run a meeting, who can run this, it, this is perfect. This is literally well-written out agendas with lovely yeah. artwork. I'm definitely going to call all my Teams meetings now incursions. Incursions I'm going to as well, yeah. I've got right. a 10 a.m. incursion tomorrow. Uh... 10, that's too early. I know, right? You can't have a meeting before 10. 10 or before. You mm-hmm. can't have it between 12 and 2 because that's lunchtime. That's lunchtime. And by 3 o'clock, who's having a meeting at 3 o'clock? And you should never have meetings on Friday afternoon. Yeah, so don't, just don't have meetings. Every oh, sorry, no, you shouldn't have any incursions on Friday afternoon. Incursions. No incursions. No Damn incursions. It. To the end of this, oh, thank you so much, Rob, for bringing this to my attention. Raced through, but this is the thing I think I'm very excited by it because I was a bit like, oh gosh, it's, it is a long book, but obviously, a lot of that is the incursion stuff, yes. But there is so much to take away from it, and I'm always a big fan of rules being like literally a mm-hmm. couple of pages, although as I as we've discussed, a little bit dense in times of just, yeah. but I think it could have benefited from like a couple of like written examples of like how do we fight this creature how do you use rituals which are still a little bit like you can use it to weaken it or do it directly mm-hmm. and all fun stuff you know there's lots we didn't touch on we didn't touch on the campaign system and stuff ah, which is very simple but very fun matt puts me in the mind of a lot of miniature game campaign systems where you do a little bit of upkeep a little bit of experience yes. a little bit of growth onto the next one rather yep. than let's carouse in the tavern and oh god mike's doing his impression of, of a bar person again oh god well, he's trying to find out information about these things we've put down as crow things have you seen this <laughs> what did they do yeah. what did they do we didn't touch on mm. omens no really cool thing natures of the land so what you could do oh, yes. GM, you can just say the whole world is under the sway of the trickster or the parent. You can choose a god to take over. Or if you yeah. want your zodiac minded, you could be like, well, you know, it is in the, the halls of Saturn. That's why I don't know the zodiac. Um, where you go with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can say that. So actually, at the moment, the world is convulsing. It's mm. a world of change. Uh, the seasons are getting faster. The skies mm. are bulging with, you know, promise and stuff. And you can really change it up or we're in the season of entropy or the god of entropy is in charge and nothing's changing it's awful it's like britain into 2024 Mm -hmm. but these these little bits that you can plug in plug out put them in put them out you don't they're not essential but there's just loads of nice little bits like that it's a very good point i did write this down because it's the idea of giving the landscape around you a personality a trait and it's something that i try and teach when i do uh, improv is like a Mm -hmm. lot of times you're like can we get a location for where certain people go like something stupid like the office yeah and it gets to the point where they they just have a scene about being fired or being called into a meeting those are the two things you always get with office but then if you go oh let's get a fantasy location people go um wizard's tower people go oh that's really cool and they go and be wizards but then it's like the tower is superfluous and i'm always like you have to respect where this place is because it has a personality it isn't Mm -hmm. it i mean it's opposite to what we were saying before about the players informing the world having uh, another player which is the world that reacts to you is so important and i yeah i love these like sample personalities and again this is a wild reference and i've mentioned it before but like thomas hardy does that in all of his books he Mm -hmm. always starts his books with like oh the moors sometimes you look across from them and you can't tell the sky from the ground it is that dark and you're like all right thomas yeah all right tom sure and then here are the players and uh, the, the heath and oh you know and the same thing with um uh oh what's it called now uh kathy and heathcliff that sort of uh wuthering heights wuthering heights absolutely i'm a massive fan of like giving personality to the setting so yeah i love these personalities they're so good the only thing i would argue against that is if you ever read uh if you ever listen to a review of something and they Mm -hmm. ever say oh well the city is it character in itself isn't it that means it's shit It's just, it's just a fact. Anyone who says, I mean, in a play, New York's actually a character in itself, is it? It means you were bored. That's what that Yeah, means. you couldn't think of anything nice to say. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone ever says that about anything, it's shit. 
come at me, Arthur Miller. The other thing to say, what it reminded me of, because I know you're, you're another person who likes thinking about other RPGs, it reminds me of having a place that has a personality is very reminiscent of Heart by Grant Howitt and uh, Chris, oh, I can't remember the last name, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, basically they have Spire, which is like yeah, uh, red that. in the sky, and yeah. Heart is the thing underneath. Ah, uh, okay. And that has been warped and corrupted. And you, you do little like uh, dungeon delves and you're like, the further you go in, the weirder it gets. And you're like, we are going to all get corrupted by the heart because it's like, oh, we tried to put like a, a subway uh, network down there, that, and you're like, you know, you didn't. Uh, you, the, the heart swallowed it. Yeah, that, that's gone now. Yeah, exactly. And I can highly recommend. It. I've been playing it for a pre-recorded stream, and it is very good. They've got stuff like Deep Apris, which are just bee people with spells, which are oh wow, they fit into this. This fit into trophy. That is one thing I would say against this game. Actually, mm-hmm. I think the name's awful. I think Trophy Gold is a terrible name. I don't like it. It's because their whole thing is like treasure hunters desperately mm. seeking stuff. And to go into these horrible places, you need to get out alive or they will make you their trophy. That was the line I read. And I was like, I get what you're doing, but I agree. I, it is a, it's, yeah. it's not what comes to mind, but I can't think of a better one either. It seems like a mistranslated Japanese anime name to me. <laughs> I've only just realised probably why it's called gold is because it is centred around the theme of getting gold. Oh, yeah. I did not realise that until literally two seconds ago. Trophy Dark is about your death. That's literally you will oh, die. Trophy Dark oh, is interesting. The, is, has got the Cthulhu ending of right. you will die or you will become a thing of the forest itself. This oh. one is, there's a way out. That's why this is the positive Capitalism. one. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all manumission kind of thing. There is a way out in this one. How interesting. That's all you got to do, just stop drinking coffee and having your lattes and you'd get through trophy gold. <laughs> Literally, page 68, every yeah. latte is one burden. That's what it says. That's yeah. ridiculous. That's avocado so toast is one ruin. Who knew? Yeah, you're like, oh, but I need that last avocado toast. Yeah. Oh, I need That's it. it. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be able to afford a house. Thank you so much for bringing this to our no attention, Rob. Because yeah, I, I'm really glad I got to, to actually try it. And yeah, I can see so much benefits for putting it into D and D games, but also other RPGs as well, just in terms yeah. of structure. So thank you very much. As always, Rob, is yeah. there anything uh, you'd like to uh, signal boost? Because obviously, I know you're not a, yes. a person we can find on the internet anymore. No, but you what, can't. Ha. Ha. So, what would you like <laughs> to recommend to our wonderful listeners? Uh, some stuff. I've, I've listed them all here. So, this is an old one, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to say this to anyone now. If you're running a fantasy game or you're playing anything fantasy, you're a player in a game and it can be D&D, it can be Trophy, it could be Numenera, anything that's fantastical, just read some Michael Moorcock because honestly, just read it. Read the Corum books, read the Elric books, read the Castle Brass and the Hawkmoon and the Runestaff books. Just read it because this guy, it's ridiculous this because he's one of the greats. He's mentioned in Appendix N of D&D. He's just... Amazing. Like, it just, he's got these stories (laughs) that are just so out there, so weird and so fantastic in the truest sense. Mm -hmm. He's better than Tolkien. And I don't even mean Mm -hmm. that in like an arrogant way. The worlds of Moorcock are way better. Mm -hmm. And even the fiction that isn't fantastical, stuff like Behold the Man about a time traveler who goes back in time and works out that he has to stand in for Jesus because Jesus is actually an absolute idiot. What? And it becomes this whole recursive thing where he realizes he has to be the one crucified because Jesus isn't good enough kind of thing. It's fantastic. Absolutely. But seriously, just read. I would recommend Hawkmoon or the Coram books or the Elric books. They're just brilliant. They're just brilliant. Some elements of their time, but also some elements that are so far ahead there's a Mm. trans main character there's a black main character this is fantasy literature of the 1960s we don't get that now without someone going on about it so in some ways you know obviously attitudes of time and in some ways way ahead of us so great man also listen to some of his interviews he's done recently he's 80 something still kicking his stuff about infiltrating anti-fascist groups in the 1970s is so funny uh, they infiltrated one group where of the dozen of them, 11 of them were left-wing infiltrators of the group and there was only one actual person, oh, which is just what? fantastic. Yeah, it was this group in Tower Hamlets or whatever. It's fantastic. So the other thing tied to that yeah, is a role-play game by my good friend Alan Barr, who runs Gallant Night Games, Ooh. and it's called Shadows of the Dying Sun. A bit of an experimental RPG. 
It is described as a resource management RPG. Okay. Where actually, a lot of it, the dice do come into it, but you can also control a lot of the sort of damage you do or damage you take, but you have to spend resources and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even your life path is a resource that eventually you spend and will die. Mm-hmm. It's all very Book of the New Sun, Jack Vance, Dying Earth, mm-hmm. weird fiction again. I'm a big weird fiction guy, so so that's that's exactly it. So more like Numenary, Troy mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So that's that mm-hmm. one. And the last one, a little known company, Nottingham-based, but they're called Games Workshop. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're currently released. They sound like they're up and coming, aren't they? Yeah, they're up and coming, lads. Good lads. Um, no, lads. so what it is because <laughs> I'm listening to the last book of The Siege of Terror, which is The End of the Horus Heresy, which is a 40-novel epic, mm. now 52-novel epic. And it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. It's really good. I'm sure whoever's into it is already listening to it anyway. And if not, it's great. But if you just want to hear about insane fascist child soldiers blowing the shit out of each other. You know, we all, we, that's everyone's jam. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, the, the end of the death, volume three, it's, it's brilliant. I'm just, I'm just walking around the flat just saying the end and the death a lot to myself. <laughs> My girlfriend's <laughs> left me. I was going to say, yeah, what? No, she's not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no I'm just like, yeah. just yourself wandering slowly, slowly yeah, down. 100%. Down, down. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, just listening Aww. and reading and stuff. That's the best at the moment. How about you, Fiona? What can you recommend? Can you read even? Is this all a massive... If you just guess what it said on the pages. Yeah. What can I recommend? Um, I mean, I... Uh... I'm just trying to think of anything interesting. I've, I mean, obviously, I could always recommend The Traitors because you and I oh. both watch The Traitors. Yeah, um, right. I'm just, I'm still getting my way slowly through uh, the Australian version of The Traitors. Okay. I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I basically, I, I know everyone's like super hot on it, and there's probably loads yeah. of spoilers out for it. But it is so fascinating to see people crumble under pressure and doing incredibly odd things when they are truthful people. And one you recommended to me, which is on the list, is like The Devil's Plan. Brilliant absolutely brilliant i love stuff like that where it's all about like you because i i've been playing a lot of blood in the clock tower recently mm-hmm. which i absolutely love i got a little bit better at it i've, I've my games are now 50 percent one or 50 percent yes. completely get it wrong and fail okay. and that's fine you know what? i'm actually really enjoying it because basically ultimately what usually happens is when people play these games people don't want to give their information so i've got to that point now going so i'm this and people yeah. go oh and it doesn't matter if I'm killed because I can still talk in these games. Yeah, it's super fun because I even then when I've managed to get something right, I am shocked because usually I'm like because there's always the caveat with Blood on the Cotter because there's a little bit more advanced rules than uh, mm-hmm. like mafia or werewolf. Yeah, well, you have to go. Okay, I think it's so and so is this and that and that and that. But I could be drunk or poisoned or <laughs> I'm this and that and that. Cause, so you constantly you're always saying and when everyone gives oh. a theory, you have to go. Mm. Or you could be drunk. Yep. <laughs> and it's great. I did watch Saltburn recently. Everyone's watching it. I have not watched it. Everyone's watching it. It's very different. Yeah. It's not to everyone's taste. It mm-hmm. did make me feel very sick in places. Mm. But what I liked about it, it had that sort of thing where you could tell there's the villainous bits and there's certain beats where you're like, oh, this is a really... Because you could tell, oh, there's a car crash coming of some sort. Yeah. Right. What is going to happen? And so there's some really good performances. But ultimately, it is a lot of privileged people getting their just desserts. Yeah. I think Barry Keegan is... Pr- brilliant in his role so i'd recommend it but it is not for everyone i think the famous bit's sort of gone viral now hasn't it i think everyone's aware of, of, of that well, well so there's a bit at the Maybe. end where he's dancing to uh murder on the dance floor all the music by the way is of our out of our yeah. youth and i'm like i definitely listened to this like yesterday um yeah but then there's a bit with a bathtub and that's all i'll say yes and that's I, the bit that's gone yeah, viral uh those are my random recommendations yours was so much more coherent than mine <laughs> yeah so, no good it's good where else can we find you fiona Oh, look at you. So it's seamless. I know. Right? Yeah. So uh, What Am I Rolling is the other podcast I do, which is a tabletop RPG one-shot podcast. As always, it's going very well. We've got some interviews out. We've done some interviews with two different uh, people who use RPGs as uh, part of sort of therapy, differing opinions about using RPGs. But I think both of them are equally valid in the sense of like, it's nice that we can use RPGs, that there is some benefit to people who might not normally get to mm-hmm access that so i'd recommend checking those out and there'll be other rvgs uh, we're running at some point i i've just we've got to do a bit of planning because uh things are happening in my life things are happening uh, so yeah that, that's it though that's oh, all from me good stuff so with all that out of the way see you next time uh listeners and see you on the flip side see you all